We are, we are looking at a series of thought over these last few weeks about the journeying, journeying in life, journeying in faith, journeying in different aspects of our Christian walk. And we all know, you know, as in Christian circles, we talk about the Christian journey or the Christian walk and, and how we, we journey through stuff or we journey in faith or, you know, very much it's, it's around that way of thinking. You know, we journey in our patience and our our obedience to God. We, you know, we don't always get it right immediately in our life. So there's a journey that we go through. And this morning, the subject of the thought that I want to talk about is patience, the journey of patience. Um, and, and, and as I was considering these thoughts, you know, we, we were, as a as whole family church, we were considering these thoughts probably four to, no, probably, probably two months ago, maybe more, um, and then there was a week off. I had a week off uh, about four weeks ago, um, and I wasn't in the office. And they scrapped it, and they didn't tell me. So I'm doing what nobody else is doing now, but I'm continuing what we were all meant to be doing, as in this subject of journeys. Um, but I believe it's really important, because the journey of patience is something that every one of us have, has to go through. Who loves patience? Who loves it when God teaches you patience? It's like, oh, this is, it, can, it can be a painful experience, isn't it? Don't pray for patience. Just receive the fact that he's given you patience and draw from the wells of salvation. Because if you say, Lord, teach me patience, you'll have the slowest driver in front of you. You'll have the longest queue in Asda. You'll have all the issues and you think, I didn't need this. I wanted patience. Well, God is teaching you patience because you asked him. If you just said, Lord, I draw from the well, because he's already given you patience. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. Yeah. So we all need to journey in patience because life is with people. And I could have gone down the, the line. At first, I thought about going down the line of faith and patience. Oh, you know, we can, we can, we got to wait for the answers to prayer. And I, and I just felt a check in my heart, and I thought, Lord, what are you saying? Because that would have been my natural. And He said, No, faith. Forget the faith side of it. You need patience with people. And when we're in a congregation like this, or you're in your home life, or you're in your workplace, you meet people. And I've just written a few things down here. When we journey and journey with people, whether that's family members, now you, you know, that could be your in-laws or your outlaws, depending on how you view them, you know, those people that you really get on well with within the family or your immediate family or your, you know, I have got to walk with patience with this woman in my life. I, I struggle at times. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. Jane is one, one of the, the most patient people I know, and she learned that having to deal with me, okay? <laughs> Work colleagues. I tell you what, when I was in secular employment, I had to walk with patience and, and allow the Lord to work with me and in me dealing with people around me. I'm sure you understand that. As a pastor, we're working with other pastors. <laughs> you still need that kind of patience in your heart, working with other pastors. We love them. We, I've journeyed with them for, for all, all of my pastoral life, pretty much. But I still have to walk with patience because they're people. And as people, they can be a pain. 
When I think my pastors are going to listen to this, probably, Lord, forgive me, and, and pastors, forgive me. <laughs> neighbors. Oh, you, you may think you have the neighbors from hell, but that means you need to be extra patient with them and pray for them. But that doesn't come easy when you, all you want to do is, is call the council because they've got parties going on to one o'clock in the morning. We, we've, got, we've got some nice neighbours either side of us, but our neighbour three doors down the road, well, it's got to be at least three down the road, or four, maybe five. Okay, <laughs> when you find out where we live, you'll work out who they are. But anyway, they're, they're a little way down. The, we, can be, we can be asleep, and suddenly at two in the morning, you hear this person laughing in the garden. And they don't laugh once. They laugh and laugh and laugh, and you think, what is this guy on? He, he's, he's got to be on something. Nobody can be that happy at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not. I'm losing my patience. I think, I won't go down there. I was thinking, I'll get my airsoft gun and just aim it out the window and just blast around. It won't hurt too much. But, you know, that, that, patience. Patience. The, the car driver that's in front of you and Jane knows how I feel, it's 40 miles an hour. There are only three roads in Gosport that go 40 miles an hour. Enjoy it while you've got it. (laughs) But why are we going at 28, not even 30? (laughs) Why? There's nobody in the room, I don't think, that I've been behind going at 30 or 28, and it's like, it drives me mad. I'm not a petrol head, but I do like to get somewhere on time. And why are people going so slow? So we're dealing with patience because we're dealing with people, and we all need to develop that in our life. I, I want to I speak specifically about something that Jesus taught on when he was on the Sermon of the Mount, which is known to be the greatest oratorial moment in all history. And I want to share some things in this moment that I believe we can all take, embrace, and walk with for the rest of our life. Does that sound good? I hope you're expecting something amazing now, because this is Jesus teaching, not me. But before we get there, I want to talk about a moment, a couple of moments in my life. I'm going back to when I was age about seven years old. I was living in Fairham with my parents, and it was my birthday. They bought me a bow and arrow, a toy one with a sucker on the end. I thought this would be a great idea. Lay down on the floor, got my bow and arrow, pinged it up to the ceiling. Watched it come back down. It didn't turn around. <laughs> the sucker should have been the heavy weight that came. It didn't. I, it was a perfect shot. It went up, it came down, and landed straight in my eye. There was blood, there was tears, and there was a hospital visit. Do you feel sorry for me? Ah. Oh. About seven years ago, I was down at the, the old church at Grove Road, and, and, and I was just doing some maintenance work. I was precariously balanced as you do, guys, <clears throat> precariously balanced on a ladder on the corner of a wall, cutting a branch that suddenly snapped and went poof 
straight in the eye. And I, I'm, I'm on this ladder. <laughs> I'm thinking, I've just lost my eye. And I move my hand away. I can't see out of this one. I'm looking. And there's, there's water. There's, there's bits from the tree. And there's blood. I think, I've lost my eye. I gradually get down from the ladder. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking back to the house to where Jane is. And I walk into the house. And she said, oh, that doesn't look good. <laughs> I, I don't know how many guys are like me, right? I jump in the car. Blood, I state, I drive to War Memorial Hospital. I go in, they look at me, they say, you've got to go and wait. I'm in agony. I'm in absolute agony. And I'm sat there in the chair and I'm just rocking. You know that feeling when you're in so much pain, it helps to rock. <laughs> I'm rocking in the chair. And I look up and there's this kid in the window looking at me. <laughs> Thank you. I'll go away. <laughs> patience? No patience at that moment. It's like, go away. I'm in agony. They take me through and they're picking out splinters of my eye. They can't get it all out, so then they send me over to QA to get them to do the rest of it. Horrendous moment. Anyone weak and wobbly right now? I hope not. Anybody else had eye issues? Would you like to come and shoot? No, no, let's not, let's not do it. <laughs> We're all going out of here weak and wobbly. But there's two moments in my life, and there's been more. Um, I, I, I remember when, when playing play fighting with one of the children, um, and you know, as a child, they got a small fist, and, and literally, as we're play fighting, this little fist went straight in the eye socket. It's like, why? Why in my eyes? Why? I remember when me and Pete, my brother, elder brother, we were uh, at the snooker hall. I, I had just beat him. We'd been playing all day from nine in the morning to ten at night, loser pays. It was a huge bill. He lost. <laughs> he picked up, picked up the last ball on the table, which was the white. He threw it across the table. We went into a full-blown fist fight, and he got me straight in the eye. So like, why? Why in my eye? But do you know what? Jesus taught something about the eye that is so important. I've just brought you into my world, and hopefully this will bring you into his world as well. Because I've not only carried moments of being punched in the eye, an arrow in the eye, and all the other things going in the eye. I've carried things about people in my eye. Sometimes it's been a splinter. Where's my little splinter? Sometimes it's been a splinter. I, 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 didn't, I didn't have one of those in the eye, but it felt like it. I haven't practiced this. <laughs> okay, I won't practice it. We, ha- we can have a splinter in the eye, or we can have a beam. Now we can have the picture. That would be great. Splinter, beam. Splinter, beam. And Jesus taught some amazing things about the splinter and the beam. So let's read. Great picture, I love it. <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount said many, many things. And then he gets to this moment. Matthew 7, verse 1 to 5, Jesus says this. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged 
and criticise and condemned yourself. For just as you judge and criticise and condemn others, you will be judged and criticised and condemned. And in accordance with the measure, measure you use to deal out to others, it will be dealt out to you. Why do you stare from without at the very small particle that is in your brother's eye, but you do not become aware of and consider the beam of timber that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me get the tiny particle out of your eye when there is a beam of timber in your own? You hypocrite. First get the beam of timber out of your own eye, and then you will be, be able to see clearly to take the tiny particle out of your brother's eye. What an amazing piece of teaching. Phil, I know you're looking at the scripture. Phil, come here. You're going to be the... You're going to be the particle man. Okay? Phil's got the particle in his eye. And, oh, he's got issues with people. Oh, he's criticizing the way in which I cleared the garden. He's criticizing how I mowed the lawns. I can't see the splinter in your eye. There we go. He's criticizing the way in which I dress. And I think, all righty. <laughs> Judge that just about, okay, I'll get a bit closer. All righty then. Okay, Phil, two can play at this. I don't like the way you play that guitar. I don't, well, I do. I, I don't like the way that you behave. I don't like, I don't like your car. Why would I like, why would I like your car? Let me take the splinter. <laughs> out <of> your, oh, sorry. <laughs> Let me take the splinter out of... Your eye, while I, who would feel safe? Who would, right, let me start over here, right? Hey, Phil, you got some issues, mate. Let me come and take that splinter out of your eye. <laughs> None of us would. The issue is, I'm looking at the beam, but it's in my eye. And that is what Jesus is saying. So often we are looking around at others, the driver in front, who knows, that driver in front may have lost a loved one in a car accident and said, I'll never drive above the speed limit anywhere again. Cheers, Phil. <laughs> Who knows what other people are going through in their journey of life? And we then sit back and say, well, why are you behaving that way? Why are you saying this? Why are you saying that? It's so easy to look at the splinter and see a plank when actually we carry that plank. So how can we make this word apply to us? Before we start, as the, as the scripture says, before we start picking holes in somebody else's life or in their behavior or in their words or in their actions, we need to consider our faults first. What have I done that if my life was presented before you all today, would I want to have taken off the screen? Maybe the words that I've used, maybe the attitude that I've had, maybe the secret sins that nobody else knows about. Maybe it's, it's how I've treated my wife. Maybe it's how... I talk about you as the congregation. 
maybe there's a whole bunch of stuff that I wouldn't want up there if my life was on the x-ray. But I could come along and be so self-righteous. It's that awareness. See, when we pull holes in others, God sees ours. And he says, come on, deal with the, deal with the plank in your own before you start trying to minister or criticize somebody else. We know the scripture that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. We know that scripture, but if you look at it, I'm just, I just looked at it in the, the message version, and it says, investigate my life. <laughs> it's like the police detective. God, you're the police detective. Have a look in my life. Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. And get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. Come on, that's got to be more the attitude that we carry. Rather than, you know, just remember when you point the finger at somebody else, there are those that are pointing back at you. When we judge, it is with the same measure that we will be judged ourselves. I tell you what, I do not go around. I try. I don't think I do. I try not to go around judging others. I may get frustrated by the cars in front of me, um, but I don't know then. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. When God sees our journey, he doesn't condemn us. Why should we condemn one another? This is what Jesus so wants us to understand here. The problem with the plank is the unseen effects that it has on others. When we're critical of someone, but we don't see the results of what they feel. Oh, it's just a, it was just a comment. It was, just, it was nothing much. You know, in your eyes, it was just a passing comment. They go away. They may have shrugged it off. But then it begins to replay and begins to replay. And the words that were spoken begin to condemn or make them feel unworthy and condemned. I, I know the congregation pretty well. And I know those who thrive on words of encouragement and those who would be negatively affected, not just for a moment, but perhaps for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, perhaps for, the, for a month or until that situation is dealt with, it would continually be a negative force in their life. Come on, we've got a responsibility to be people builders rather than people that pull down. Come on, let's, let's be a people that encourage one another rather than kick the legs out from one another. Be a support to one another rather than being one that, that, that speaks those negative things. We can all form opinions. You know, someone new may come in. How quickly do we form an opinion? Someone new at work walks through the door. We quickly... We quickly surmise, oh, I think they're that kind of a person. Or they are, uh, I think they're a bit of a gossip. You, you, you just told your mate that. Guess who's the gossip? <laughs> the plank eye is you. It's so easy to form opinions and judgments. But that's not what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to walk with discernment, absolutely. But from a discerning heart, we determine those things not from an attitude of heart. 
Let's be real. Everyone's jumping for the phones. No, please don't. If you know what the app is, be real. But let's be real. Before we judge others, we need to judge ourselves. Before we criticize others, find out what the bigger picture may be. Because then you may have an understanding of why they are the way they are, why they behave the way they did, how and what and where the situations may be in their life. It really is about not feeling justified to say what you want, how you want, when you want. That really is just an arrogant way to live. And it's not how Jesus wants us to live. Just to say it how it is. How you want to say it, regardless of whether it hurts someone else. That's not, that's not it. That's not having a caring or a loving heart. So before judging somebody else, let's remember the mercy of God upon our life. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Oh, grace is... The, un, the, the uh, grace is the unmerited favor of God. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. What we deserve is punishment. What we deserve is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. He doesn't want to give us what we deserve. Therefore, he's merciful upon our weaknesses. Don't, shouldn't we also show that kind of mercy to one another? That... We're not going to give them what they deserve. We're going to give them love. We're not going to give them what they deserve. We're going to give them support. We're not going to give them what we think they deserve. We're going to, we're going to journey with them, blessing them and encouraging them. You know, when, 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 Jesus, when, when, when Jesus was teaching, he said, you know, if someone, if someone offends you or someone slapped you, offer them the other cheek. The natural thing would be to say, right, okay, give me some fisticuffs. We'll, we'll fight this out. But Jesus didn't operate in a worldly way. We're not meant to be operating in a worldly system. And the worldly system says, well, you criticize me, you're going to get it back. You judge me, I'm going to judge you too. But we live different from a worldly system. And Jesus quite clearly reminds us in in an amazing teaching that there's a splinter and there's a plank. What are you carrying? Do we have a splinter mentality or do we have a plank mentality? Are we judgmental regularly or do we criticize regularly? Or have we realized the mercy of God that we actually do walk around with splinter in our own eye? So who am I to judge others? It's just such an amazing piece of teaching. I can just imagine Jesus, and we saw this once on a, on a, on a, on a film, didn't we, years and years ago. And, and Jesus is on the side of the mountain with all the disciples, and he's literally, he's literally gone and picked up this plank, and he's walking around, and, and he's teaching the disciples. Who says it didn't happen like that? Who says Jesus wasn't on the side of the mountain walking around? We know that he was relational. He, he, he used object lessons to teach. He used farming. He used um, fishermen. He, he used object lessons. I reckon Jesus picked up a plank up there on the, the side of the mountain, maybe a branch that had just fallen off, and he said, look, guys, this is what you're like. And he's just walking around teaching on these things, and, and people are seeing this object lesson and realizing that actually, yes, I live that way. And we can be that way. 
When I, when I, when you know, we we are the saved, we are the righteous, we are the sanctified. We're separated from from the things of this world. It's so easy though to judge the world. It's so easy to judge that person's behaviour who is worldly, but actually they are behaving in the character or the the heartbeat of an unsaved person. You know, we had someone come into the Empower Centre quite a few years ago who stole a bike. And the person was so upset that their bike had been stolen. Well, actually, the person who stole it was behaving in the character of their unsaved life. And it's so easy to judge that person, but actually what they need is mercy. And they need love, and they need saving, and they need transformation. And if they saw that transformation of God's love that forgave them, they wouldn't behave in that old life mentality. It's so important that we're not judging in a negative way. Plank eye, not pink eye. (laughs) Plank eye, not pink eye. Pink eye, you know, conjunctivitis, you rub it and you rub it and you make your eyes redder and redder. But plank eye is a very real thing in church. And we judge each other. And we fall out with one another because of it. What does plank eye? There are negative things that come with plank eye. Number one, there's a critical heart. What happens in you as an individual is you become critical of everything. And it hap- doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's those little things that begin to happen. And you begin to criticize this and you criticize that. And, and before you know it, actually you're carrying a critical spirit. Because you've opened a door to the work of the enemy. Another thing is a biting tongue. Proverbs talks about a, a, a biting tongue. In, in, in some senses, it's, it's an attitude of a serpent. It's just, just venomously, just. And, and without really realizing what somebody else may be going through, I've got you. We've got to watch out that we don't behave in that manner that we are cautious that we are we consider things timely in our heart and respond in the right way and also being judgmental which i've mentioned as well but it also includes these things attitudes of fault finding nitpicking presumptuous prideful disapproval it's amazing when you begin to look at a word and you pull it apart of what it can mean and the negativity of one's own heart. Always looking for the flaws in people's character, but also in how they look or in what they say and do. Come on, protect your heart with all diligence. Let's not be critical. Let's not be judgmental. Let's not be fault-finding. Let's have the heart of Christ flowing through. Because Jesus isn't critical, is he? He is not judgmental. He is not fault-finding. He will reveal gently in our life and bring us to the point of change. But he is not condemning in our life. You know, right now we're going through the ashes. I don't know if anyone's into their cricket. Anyone into their cricket? Never really asked that one. We've got one or two crickets. But we're in the middle of the ashes at the moment, okay? Sledging. Anybody heard the term sledging? Those who like cricket do. Okay, sledging is the verbal assault done by the opposition. 
This is what sledging does. Sledging is the practice of deliberately insulting or verbally intimidating another person to weaken their resolve or ability to focus. So you're just about, here we go, we've gone. you're just about, you're at the crease, you're just about to hit a six, and behind you there comes a voice from the wiki keeper of something that is so derogatory about your life or about your family or about whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's called sledging. And the Aussies are really good at it. <laughs> but we're beating them at the moment. Anyway, uh, well, we're catching them up, should I say. Catching them up. Church, let's not allow sledging in the house. Let's not allow sledging. Sledging is actually friendly fire of one another. Friendly fire. We shouldn't be speaking negatively of each other or each other's life. Let this house... Be a house where we encourage one another, not knock. We build up, not pull down. Jesus is calling us to first take the beam out of our own eye. So that then we can say in love about the splinter that we may see in somebody else's eye. But it's done in love. And love is underlined in everything that we say and do in helping somebody else be free from their issues. But never try and do it while you're carrying one of these. So to conclude, we all know our own shortcomings, don't we? Where we mess up, where we blow it, where we fall short. That may be your splinter, but it may also be your beam. Jesus also said this, treat others the same, same way that you'd want them to treat you. Come on, let's bring this real. In a husband and wife relationship, I've got to treat Jane the way I'd want her to treat me. Oh, it's so easy to find... No, it's not easy to find the faults in Jane. Qualify. If I went looking for the faults in Jane's life... Let, 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 let's go the other way around. If Jane went looking for my faults she would find them a little more quickly than I'd find hers, probably. Not that she's, oh, that sounds bad as well. <laughs> I can't win either way on this conversation, can I? Um, anyway, Jane, <laughs> I'll find your faults, all right? So Jane, Jane leaves her shoes at the front door. She asked me many years ago, Jeff, can you put your shoes away when we... Jane leaves hers at the front door. So I come bounding through the door, falling over shoes that Jane leaves in the way who she asked me to put them away when I come in through the door. Oh, I found a fault. Now I could turn around every time I see those shoes and say, look, you asked me to move my shoes. Why don't you move yours? Let's pull, let's pull in the speck out of Jane's eye. Come on, you, you've... you've it's true, isn't it? Come on, it's in our marriage relationship. Those who are married in the room, those who are in relationships, when you have a moment like this, oh, I could turn around and say lots of things about you, and you don't do. We could, we could, it then begins to escalate, doesn't it? Oh, if that's the way you're talking, <laughs> you make your own dinner. I starve. There'd be nothing left of me. But this, this, is how, this is how fights in relationships start. They start small because it's a splinter. 
They end up big because we bring out the, the, all the issues of the past. <laughs> I hit my nose, didn't I? <laughs> all the issues of the past, we bring them all out. And then there's a great big beam in our eye and we've got an attitude of as long as your arm because you find, find fault with me. Well, I'm going to find every fault that I've ever thought of coming back. Stephen, it's true, isn't it? It's easy to find fault in Davina. Well, stop it. <laughs> stop it. I could go around the room now. Alan, it's so easy to find fault in me. <laughs> Hazel, she's great. We all know Hazel's great. But, but, we, but when we have a moment, it's easy to find fault in one another. Claire, it's easy to find fault in me when you're having a moment when I've not done something that I said I was going to do and now it's an issue because of the diary or whatever else. It's so easy to find fault. But actually, don't forget you're carrying one of these. We've all got one of these or one of these in our pocket. All right? Remember that. You have one of these or one of these in your pocket. You may, for the majority of your life, walk around with just a few issues that you're dealing with or trying to deal with. And all of a sudden, bang, this comes out of nowhere. And you think, ah, And you're off on one. Come on. What did Jesus say? This is, what the, this is what is known as the golden rule in the Bible. Treat others the way you would want them to treat you. For those who are married in the room, look at your husband or your wife. For those who have got children in the room, look at your children. For those who have got friends in the room... If I get beyond the friends, I've had it, all right? Okay, those who have got a fr friend in the room, look at the friend and say, I want to treat you as you want to treat me. The way in which the Word of God says. I want to treat you and you want to treat me like the Word of God says. I want to treat you, Jane, like the Word of God says. I want to treat you, Sam and Josh, and everyone in my family, and I want to treat my family church the way in which Jesus said, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. For every husband and wife in this room, it could change your marriage. Just that one sentence could change your marriage. If, you, if you've got kids in the room, treat your kids the way in which you would have wanted to be treated as a kid. That would change the way you, but you parent. If you didn't like the way you were parented, it would change the way you parent. Treat your kids the way in which you would have wanted to have been treated. If you want friends, then treat your friends or those in church the way in which you would want to be treated. With respect, with honour, with integrity, with, with love with compassion, with understanding. None of those words are harsh. So let's do away with the plank. All right, just chuck it in your back pocket. This could be interesting. <laughs> chuck it in your back pocket and then put the other one in the back pocket and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. There we go. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you and to help you not be judgmental or critical of those who are around you. In church, out of church, in your family, outside your family. Let's walk the way Jesus said to do. Let me pray. 
Father, we want to thank you that your word is alive, it's practical, it's helpful, it ministers into every aspect, aspect and, and facet of life. So, Father, today we thank you that we can look at the plank or the splinter that we carry around so often. Lord, help us not to be judging others before we judge ourselves. Help us not to criticize others before we look at the critical heart in which we may be carrying. And Father God, I pray that you would remind us of this object lesson over and over again. When we are tempted to say something or behave in a way or share with others of something that is negative about somebody else or something else, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would put a check in our heart, bring an awareness, and set us free from a critical heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.